Good morning. Come on in. People are still coming in. Find a seat. Good to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. And uh, let me say welcome to Woodland Life Center. I hope you have come today ready to engage the presence of the Lord. Let's just get this out of the way. Yes, I'm wearing glasses. So at the count of three, just say nice glasses and then we get it all over with. All right, one, two, three. Thank you, thank you. I was going for the good look. Uh, so yeah, it's my new paradigm. Let's just hope, I've only had these on for two days now, so let's hope I don't get dizzy and fall. Uh, if I do, somebody just pick me up and we'll, we'll keep going. Um, couple of things I wanted to make sure we were aware of. Uh, last week was our first try at live streaming and it went well. We're doing it again today, so we're live streaming right now, so if you want to wave at the camera, you'll be on uh, TV somewhere. Uh, we've got several people that are engaging our live streaming today and giving us some feedback on that, but if it goes as well today as it did last week, we will be officially live streaming starting this next Sunday, uh, which is great because if you're at home sick or you're away traveling and you, and you don't want to miss what's happening uh, we, we go live right at 10 o'clock Mountain Standard Time, and the live streaming service will automatically record and save itself, so it, it saves itself as a podcast as well. So all of that will be attached to our website. Um, starting next Sunday, you'll be able to access that through woodlandlifecenter.com. Um, you should be able to click on a link, and, and boom, you are engaging us live streaming or 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 a video, audio, podcast, whichever you're doing at that time, okay? So that's really great news. That's something we've been working towards for the last few months. I'm really excited that we finally have gotten that working. The other thing is uh, November the 19th. You're gonna wanna mark this particular Sunday down. We have a very special guest that's joining us that morning. His name is Jim Downing. Uh, I think by the time he gets here, he's either going to be 104 or 105 years old. I'm not exactly sure. But he was on the West Virginia the day that Pearl Harbor happened. And he's coming to um, share with us um, his story of, of forgiveness and faith through, the, through all of what happened that day. Uh, Pearl Harbor Day. It's going to be an amazing Sunday. Um, we're going to be running an ad in the paper about that. So believe me, I think we're going to have a lot of traffic here that morning. So you don't want to miss it, but you also don't want to come in late. You want to get here early to make sure you get a seat. Um, I'm very excited about uh, having Jim join us that morning. So that's November the 19th, okay? Um, I want to invite Diane Allen up. Here. She's our church board secretary. I'm going to hand her a microphone. She just has an announcement about this morning. Thank you, ma'am. Good morning. Morning. In the bulletin, you will see in the middle of the first page on the back, pastor appreciation. How much do we love our pastors here, guys? Woo! All right. So I put together this basket. It's got pastor appreciation on it. So bring your cards, notes, money, whatever you want to give the pastors. <laughs> 
and bring that and put it in the basket. We are going to have a potluck on the 29th. Unfortunately, I don't get to be here because ski school training begins. But make sure you show up. There will be a potluck after the service. And if you don't, didn't bring your appreciation before that, you can bring it then. And we will be just thanking all of our pastors. Don't forget there's five of them now. We have Michael, Scott, Sarah, Todd, and, of course, Pastor Brian. So show them how much you love them. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Diane. Hey, let's stand together. Shake a few hands that are nearby you. Get to know a name. Let's join together in worship. morning. You guys ready for this? Your presence, 
like to read a scripture. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors and that he brought you out with a mighty hand and he redeemed you from the land of slavery. He redeemed you from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God and he is the faithful God. He is the God who keeps his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. He is the faithful God. He will keep his covenant. We did the song for the first time a couple weeks ago. So I just want to invite you to allow this to wash over you. This truth that says love keeps its promises. It honors what's sacred. It's not broken. It's not insecure. God does not give his heart in pieces, but he allows himself upon us to the full measure that he can, that you will allow him to. So I just invite you to allow his love to fall on you in the fullness of how deep and wide and vast is his love. Jesus, we fix our eyes on you.
more time. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my 
testimony today shout amen lord jesus we honor you today worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and glory and honor forever and ever and we celebrate not just who you are today the lamb that takes away the sin of the world we celebrate what you have accomplished in us, what you are doing in us. The fact that we can 
declare with sincerity, with, with, uh, with a firmness that it is well with us because of your cross, because of what you accomplished on that cross, still saving us even now in this moment. Thank you, Jesus, that in this moment you are interceding on our behalf, standing before the Father, declaring they're good. I got them covered. He's good. She's good. I've got them covered. We stand here today celebrating who you are and what you have done. We celebrate in a, in, a, in a place of rest, not out of place of fear, but by faith. Our trust is in you, Lord. And, and it's not just for our eternity, but our trust is in you for the, the here and the now, for the things that um, are burdening us as throughout this week or this past month or even all of 2017, we choose to trust you with all of our stuff that we might find rest in you. Not just for these moments, but a position of rest in life. It is the joy that the world cannot comprehend. It is the peace that passes all understanding. And it is your gift to us. So we entrust our stuff to you now. And we breathe deeply in your presence, Holy Spirit. Envelop us, invade us with your grace, your mercy. This is your place. We are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves before you now. We open up our hearts and our minds to whatever it is that you want to accomplish in us and through us today. May your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, as you're being seated, I want to invite our ushers to join us up front as we continue to worship through our giving. What fun and what a what a privilege it is to do that. Jesus, you are our provider. We thank you for the provision that has come, and we thank you for the provision that is coming. Take what we have to offer you today, use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it, build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
Anybody felt like we're having church today? Hallelujah. Spirit of the Lord is here. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12. When you're ready, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. The culmination, really, of everything that the writer has been taking us through, through the previous 11 chapters. Hebrews 12 makes a major turn as it it turns the focus from all of Israel's past into the here and the now. It's our application chapter. It's our application point. It is the, okay, what does this mean for me time. We get to that today. He begins his reading in chapter 12 by saying, therefore, which means we have to understand everything that has just happened. The context for that therefore comes with chapter 11 and really the previous 11 chapters. Chapter 11 talked to us about faith. It gave us a definition of faith, the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things unseen. Uh, And the author went through this really long list of names, all from the Old Testament, all from the old system. That the old system that that the author has spent 11 chapters now trying to encourage us to understand that it's time to move out of that into this new paradigm. But inside of that old system, all of these men and women that were listed, plus many others, somehow, someway had had a faith in God. Christ as Messiah. The word faith, pistis, is the Greek word for that. It literally means faith or belief in Jesus Christ as Messiah. Somehow, these people from that old paradigm had had a faith in Christ as Messiah, even though they lived and died before Jesus even walked this earth. And I love that picture that we had last week where Jesus' arms are stretched out on the cross And in, a, in an amazing picture, he's, he's declaring to the, those folks that were in that old system, hey, I've got you covered. And those of us on this side of the cross, hey, I've got you covered. This is what Christ has done for us. And the writer says, therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I watched a lot of sports yesterday. I watched a lot of uh, football and even baseball where there's, you, you have these huge stadiums crammed elbow to elbow full of people shouting and cheering and celebrating and some of them crying and weeping and wailing 
Sorry, Kansas State. And, and as I'm watching these people watch those people on the field play their game, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this, this picture here. And I, and I wonder if our mental image of this picture, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that, that we immediately go to, it's like this big stadium, and, and we're the players on the field, and, and all of these people, Abraham, Moses, Isaac, Jacob, David, uh, Rahab, all, all of these people that, that, that have been listed, plus the others who have belief in Jesus, are up in the stands, and they're just cheering us on as if they're watching life unfold down here. Perhaps that's the, the mental image that you catch on to as well. I would say that, that that I don't think is the picture that the author is intending for us to grab on to. It's not that these people are up there cheering us on as we're trying to make our decisions day by day. I, I, I believe that what he's, he's talking about is, is their faith comes to us as as a witness, it comes to us as a testimony that when we dig into Scripture, when we look into their stories, when we, when we are paying attention to their journeys, Old Testament. Now, now realize that the writer of Hebrews, he's, he pretty much only has the Old Testament in mind when he writes these words. But it is okay for us to en engage in the fact that Scripture as a whole comes to us surrounding us as a great cloud of witness, whether, whether we're looking at Paul or whether we're looking at Peter's journey or whether we're looking at Isaiah's journey or Jeremiah's or Abraham's or, or most, these people, they come to us as a great cloud of witness. And they're fanning into flame our journey, our journey of faith, our journey of belief in Christ as Messiah. See, this helps me out a lot more. If, if, if I feel like I'm being watched by these people, suddenly there's just pressure that I can't manage very well. But if I understand that their story is coming and it's just fanning into flame, whether it's their mistakes showing me what not to do or their successes showing me what to do, they come before me as a great cloud of witnesses fanning into flame what Christ is doing in, in me. And, and I believe that that is what the writer is really communicating here. Let's read that again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and we have all of Scripture, all of these stories coming before us, then let us therefore throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, that we have walked all the way through the book of Hebrews, and we have experienced that the writer is, is, is trying to help these people move out of the old paradigm into the new paradigm, we can begin to understand their tension. Their tension is, is they keep, they're, they, they're looking back, wondering, should, should, I, should I get back inside of this system, inside of this paradigm that I've known my whole life, that my parents are still doing and my siblings are still doing? And perhaps even my own children are still doing. And I'm struggling with releasing myself from that and moving into this new paradigm where Christ has fulfilled it all. And the writer is saying, throw off everything that hinders, catching this, 
Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And you can understand that that, that really is the context of what he's saying because he's already referred to rejecting Jesus as Messiah and turning back into the old system as sin. As a sin that you can't really repent from. If you have tasted what the Holy Spirit is doing and, and believed on Jesus and then you've rejected him as Messiah and moved back into the old, he's already said, chapter 6 and chapter 10 both, you can't move back into it again. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that's so easily entangled and run with perseverance the race this new paradigm of faith, run with perseverance this race marked out for us. I mean, suddenly I really find myself understanding this passage at a deeper level than I ever have. And, and understand, that's a major statement for me because Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 are, are, have been for many, many, many years my life verses. I don't know if you have a life verse. I don't know if you have something that you hang on to in the best of times and the worst of times, but a scripture that just, that just it, it, you just, it's yours, and, and, and it means something profound and, and deep to you in your journey. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 are my life verses. And I'll tell you, that the reason why is because it communicates longevity, and it communicates finishing well. You see, unfortunately, there are many in my position that start the sprint off really well, and, and bang, 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 they're doing great, and then the bottom drops out, and, and they fall, and they're out, and they don't even finish the race. Many stories like that. This, these verses... I hang on to tightly, and they stay before me. They're deeply ingrained, deeply embedded in my heart and my mind. Why? Because I want to finish well. I want to I run this race marked out for me, not just today, not just last week, but all into next year and the, the rest of my life. The writer is turning all of this right back onto us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, the one who put, the one who installed it and the one who finished it, the one who started it and the one who finished it. And I just can't, I just can't help but see the whole picture. And he's, he's like, you know, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who with his work on the cross, start, he he, he created this whole system, he perfected it, and he finished it. It's done. What he put into place, he fulfilled. And so the key is fixing our eyes on Jesus. Um, and those are easy words. But I know how hard it is to really walk that out. When life is dealing you whatever, it's, it's, it seems like way easy words to say, fix your eyes on Jesus, 
But the reality is we find our eyes down on, on the stuff around us all the time. And when we do that, we're overwhelmed by circumstances. We're overwhelmed by struggles. We're overwhelmed by, by the, the, the battles that, that we're facing, the, the people that are wounding us, the, uh, the, whatever it might be in the moment, whatever the waves are that are crashing against us, whatever the, the wind is that are, that's blowing hard against us. It, it, you know, it takes me immediately to the picture of, of Peter climbing out of the boat and trying to walk across the water. And, and, and yes, the key for him was keep your eyes on Jesus, but he didn't do that. He started looking at the wind and the waves and started paying attention to the circumstances. And once he was like, wait a second, what am I doing? I'm walking on water. Boom, he's sinking. He moves straight out of the miraculous right, right into the real world. He would have been walking on the water. It's, it's, it's our norm, isn't it? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Man, those are, those are easy words to, to read. They're easy words to say. But wow, is it challenging to walk out. But it is it's Scripture's encouragement to us. And, it, and, and it, it's, it's fanning into flame a, a life of victory. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I mean, think about this. This was, this was, this was filled with joy for him. All of history. When when Adam and Eve sinned and, 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 and sin became the main factor of, 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 of human experience, Jesus was looking forward to redeeming that. For the joy set before him, he endured torture, unbelievable torture, torture that we can't even really describe or comprehend. The reason they would do lashing before they hung a criminal on a cross is they wanted the back to be just opened up. Because once you were hanging on a cross, you were suffocating. So, so that you could actually catch a breath, you would have to push yourself up that cross with your opened up, bleeding wounds on your back, scraping up that wood just to catch a breath, just to scrape back down. Every aspect of the cross was torture, and it was with purpose. He endured the cross with joy. Ah, soak in that for a moment. Because that's what the writer is telling us to do. Consider this. 
considered him who endured such opposition. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now he's talking right to them. Because see, their, their tension is real. Their struggle is real. They're engaging Jesus. They, 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 they have belief in Jesus. But there is this draw. There is this, this thing, that, and it's their family, and it's their friends, and it's, and, and it's their, the, this whole paradigm, their whole life system. It's tugging at them, trying to get them to come back into this. And the writer is like, look, understand what Jesus did for you. Understand that he did it with joy. And because he did it with joy, you got to consider this. Fix your eyes on this. Let it be your strength. Consider who, him who endured such opposition so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't be one of those that fall back into, as he's calling it, sin. And man, does that come before us today. It just comes right into our here and our now. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his sons? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. So endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everybody undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. You're not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. Right, kids? How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Whatever your struggle is, he's saying, don't lose heart over it. Allow your weakened arms and your weakened knees, and man, is is he painting the picture of the person on the cross or what? That is, that's the suffering that Jesus endured, the weakened arms and the weakened knees, trying to hold yourself up to catch a breath. It's, it's that imagery. He's bringing it right back to the cross again. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. 
You may have weakened knees because of the struggle. You may have weakened arms because of the struggle. But he's saying, let the God of our universe, our Savior, allow this struggle to serve as a growing point, a strengthening point, a sharpening point, knocking off some of the edges. That in a, in, 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 a, in a spirit of discipline is producing a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who allow the circumstances to accomplish that in them. In other words, man, yes, life is life deals. Life hands us stuff. But instead of Instead of being overrun by it, instead of allowing it to make us lame, it can actually become something that creates healing in us. That if we allow it to serve as, as discipline in us, accomplishing whatever, whatever it needs to, to sharpen us, to, to, to grow us, to strengthen us, and it only happens, church, I, I, I'm convinced of this, if we keep our eyes fixed on him, because if we fix our eyes on the struggle, if we, all we're doing is, is looking at the wind and the waves, we will drown. It'll just be one rescue effort after another, after another, after another. And none of us in this room want to be rescued over and over and over. We want victory. We want to walk in victory. We want to experience walking on the water. But Jesus is an overcomer, and he invites us into a life of overcoming. The author says, key, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. with your eyes closed. I just want to invite you now to take a turn at fixing your eyes on Jesus, to try it. Your circumstances are still real. They're still happening. Reality still exists. The difference in this approach is you're not fixated on the world. You're not fixated on the circumstances. You're not fixated on the struggle. You're not fixated on the person that's warring against you or the people that are warring against you. Instead, you're considering him who endured such opposition, considering what Christ accomplished on the cross, considering the fact that he has overcome and he said it is finished. And it is at this point that strength begins to come your way. You start to feel your arms strengthening. You start to feel your knees strengthening. And you start to realize, man, this is, this is what walking on the water can look and feel like. 
And it is from this place that overcomers overcome. I'm not going to pretend to know what the answers are to your questions. I'm not going to pretend to know what the solutions are to your problems. But I believe that when the overcomer is overcoming, when the, when the eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, it is, in, it is in the moment where the Holy Spirit breathes, say this, respond this way, do this, make this choice, call this person. That it is in the moment that, that the circumstances begin to show their solutions. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in you in the moment. Yes, Jesus is a rescuer. Yes, he grabbed Peter's hand and he pulled him out of the water to safety. Yes, he continues to do that. But how much more fun would it be to keep walking on the water? Consider him who endured such opposition so that you will not become weary, that you will not be overcome. Jesus, what you have accomplished is profound, it's overwhelming, it's, it seems impossible to fully comprehend, but is what you are accomplishing now in our moment with you where we have chosen to fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, the author and the finisher, the starter and the finisher, the one who accomplished it all. You created it. You fulfilled it. You accomplished it. You overcame it. And, 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 and our paradigm in the here and the now should be one of overcoming, not one of rescuing, but one of, of walking in freedom and in victory and in joy. Does it mean perfection? Certainly a wonderful goal. So we choose to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And I know that for each one of us in this room, boy, that, that is, those, those are different things. But just as the picture, the imagery that we have been clinging to for weeks now, we, 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 we throw it off, we're, we're stepping out of that past, out of, out of the old paradigm, and we're embracing a new paradigm. And our key is having our eyes fixed on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, not, not fixated on our pain or our struggle or whatever the circumstances may be, but we come to you with our eyes, our, our minds, our hearts, so much of scripture communicates to us, set our hearts on and minds on things that are above, that it is for freedom that you have set us free. All of these things pointing to the same thing, 
We can overcome just as you have overcome. You are our strength. You are our strength when we are weak. In fact, 1 Corinthians tells us that that your weakness is stronger than man's strength. Your foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. The best of what we can bring to this, your worst surpasses it. I mean, how can we fathom that? So we just accept it as truth. Even if we can't fully understand. Thank you for what you are accomplishing in us now. And I thank you for the victory that is accomplished as we move forward from this time together today. In Christ's mighty, mighty name we all pray. Amen. You stand with me. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May he fill you with his peace. May you choose to fix your eyes on him this week. Have an awesome one. We'll see you next Sunday.